0: Not many memes have been around since the beginning of the internet. And many of them are looked at with a nostalgic smile and a wince that we ever even found them funny. Of all the things that have survived for so long, I doubt you will see many people counting the massive meme of girl gamers amongst them. You know, very much ignoring the real people that play video games, this meme describes either a nerd's paradise or a misogynist straw man to you know, even a cringe-adjacent object of comparison. But what about the actual girl gamers? And why does anyone give a single speckle of a fuck? On this episode of Why are You Talking About This? Nerd. Hello everyone, and welcome to Why Aren't You Talking About This Nerd. I'm your host, William, and I will be your guide in this week's poorly disguised pleas for someone to love me. Moving on, before any of us have time to think that's not a joke, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to me to have you taking the time to hear me say dick and fuck and talk so much about anime and video games That's no longer surprising why I'm single. This is the part of the episode where I tell you some cool stuff going on off the podcast to share and other projects, but... As of right now, I don't have any of that. So instead, I'm going to let you know that while well, you boys nowhere near being out of ideas, I am a third of the way through my list of episode topics, so if you have an episode idea, please send it to waytatpods at gmail.com, where you can also send all kinds of stuff that I'll tell you about at the end of the show. Also, if you could download the show, it helps me figure out who's listening, since my podcast platform doesn't really track streams. Alright, on to the show! Oh. So today we're talking about girl gamers, and I want to get out ahead of it, Uh, so I'm going to ask everyone that's acting like a crazy person to chill the fuck out. No, I'm not approaching this topic as any one of the following. A misogynist, a simp, no more than normal, a white knight, a pervert, not more than normal, a pussy-hungry nerd, probably a little bit more than normal, the voice of all gamers, or the voice of all women. So just chill the fuck out if you thought I was on your side. I'm coming at this as someone who isn't fucking nutters or chronically online. So let's go over exactly what a girl gamer is. A woman that plays video games. Yep, that's it. Anyways, see you guys in another couple of weeks. I'm I'm joking, I'm joking. Okay, so that technically is what it is. The girl gamer actually describes a woman that, besides not being a dude, fits into gamer culture or stereotypes. Basically someone that not only identifies as a woman, but also identifies as a gamer. But the stereotype of girl gamers isn't just that. Instead, the popular idea of a girl gamer is a woman that pretends to play video games, but is actually promoting her OnlyFans by appropriating nerd culture, or is a pick-me girl wanting to be one of the guys so she can fuck them. Now, if you are vocally confused, I understand. Because guys, gamers and nerds especially... Women aren't doing that. I can comfortably say that women understand you better than you think, and assuming you're straight or otherwise attracted to women, they know you want to have sex with them. And we're bad at pretending otherwise. And a woman trying to promote her OnlyFans or do sex work doesn't have to be a gamer to get your horny ass, and we both know it. And the women hanging around your friend group aren't trying to steal your friends or make fun of you. They're fucking nerds. Anyways, we'll talk about the origins of that particular stereotype later, In the meantime, let's talk about the problems facing female gamers. Starting with general problems, one of the biggest ones is being stereotyped as gaming for attention. This is really one of the bigger sources of a lot of other problems, and we'll see why. So, beyond that, the other big problem is being heavily sexualized and fetishized. Now, this one is, again, from that thing we'll talk about with the history section, but is also the result of sexism that faces women in gaming. Women in games face tons of harassment when their gender is known, with up to 77% of all female gamers reporting being harassed while playing. A lot of this harassment comes from people questioning their skill or telling them shit like, go back to the kitchen, like any of them had a 1950s upbringing. Now one form of harassment that might sound less objectively terrifying is being forced to prove yourself as a gamer. And this will change from gaming community to gaming community what this means, but in a genre like FPS, I mean, quoting your account's KD ratio or your knowledge of the genre. And keep in mind, this is why you're trying to engage in your hobby and have fun. You know, while you're doing that, there's people in your ear like, well, real gamers play the original Modern Warfare 2, no rush, and on Veteran. And what's your KD ratio on Overwatch while you're trying to shoot them? Which is exhausting. And then, as I can attest to, after watching compilations of this, the goalpost shifts, or the excuse of, oh, is this your boyfriend's account? comes up. And also, this ignores the sexual aspect of the harassment as well. Many women in gaming communities are largely treated as J.O. material. And for most of their fellow gamers, this is from a place of either prove your woman by sending me pictures of your titties to jerk off onto you, or wanting a girl gamer fuck buddy, they'll send them sexy pictures. But in the first case, clearly not their fucking business, and it's also just so gross. And in the second case, is fucking stupid misogynistic. Like, you should know better. Just be fucking normal, and if that's your intention, either go get a girlfriend or subscribe to a sex worker that gives one of those girlfriend experience packages. Not that I would know anything about that. And because toxic gamers are really uncreative, all the various harassment and douchery can be condensed into three types of dickhole. The first is the White Knight. Now, those who aren't aware of what this is, allow me to introduce myself. From about half a decade ago. A white knight, rather than being a Caucasian landowner with a sword, is the term used to describe someone, usually a man, trying to rescue people, regardless of their own personal safety, boundaries, or morals, and regardless of the other person's autonomy, desire to be saved, or even the very presence of a problem. This is things like trying to break someone up because you think that their perfectly normal relationship is toxic. But in gaming, this refers to gamers treating their effeminate counterparts as helpless damsels to protect and or carry through the game or to take mercy on and be easy on. And these guys are toxic not only because white knighting is toxic and you should fight that urge like it's those bullies that you bought samurai sword in your 30s to one-up half your lifetime after the fact, but also because they're actively undermining the success of the gamer girl they're trying to protect and also because the reason they're playing the fucking game is because it's challenging. Not like she accidentally bought the gamer chair, bisexual lighting, headset with the best microphone money can buy, the game, and then accidentally set that all up and picked up a controller. She knows what she's getting into. The second are trolls. Which are common across the internet, but a good number of trolls really get a kick out of punching down at people already getting nose fucked by society. So it's very, very common that once you say anything that implies that you have a woman narrator in your brain, The troll face goes from neutral to psychotic grin, and the doom music starts playing in their head as they pull up every single terrible thing they've heard their dad call their mom since they were four to call you. And sometimes this comes from an actual misogynistic place in their brain, or they're solely doing it to be a dick. And sometimes the purpose is just because it's fun to have a punching bag, other times they want video games to be a boys-only clubhouse, and you're ruining it, so they're trying to make you leave. It should also be noted here that yes, I understand that the culture of some games, FPS games especially, is trash talk. If you're mutually engaged with it, I don't think trash talk counts as trolling. It's a lot like flirting. The line where it becomes harassment is consent. But finally, the other broad category is perverts. While we've already talked quite a bit about this group, it can't be understated how common it is. This is an entire sect of gamers that want something sexual from female gamers specifically. Now this is partially because of that big bad later series of events, was also because nerdy women are heavily fetishized. In a way, they always have been. On top of being a woman, and therefore already needlessly sexualized constantly in every conceivable genre, a woman that is into stuff that entire communities of men that are notoriously sexless are into, or are otherwise regarded as being quirky, is going to get people going fucking kooky. Because, as much as patriarchal systems encourage men to want a woman that is a loyal, silent sex toy while simultaneously their mom, Freud, not now, sit down, they want that sex toy to also have weird shit they're into. And this combo meal of fuckery means that women that are into video games are getting doubly uncomfy because they're rare, but also stereotyped as being extremely sexual. Now, this is just in general. Of course, there's also the entire realm of esports, where Video games are taken more seriously than I can take it. Not only are the levels of harassment insane because they're women who are succeeding, they're succeeding in a realm the neckbeards want to be a boys-only thing. Added on to that, there's a lot of open skepticism and discrimination thrown their way because of the stereotype of men being better at video games than women. Which is untrue, by the way. Just because women are socialized to have actual real-life skills doesn't mean they can't also whoop your ass. Also, this is me uh, kindly asking to have my ass handed to me by a woman. Beyond these, and ironically a cyclical relationship with these, is a lower earning capacity. Because, you know, of course, even in a made-up profession that adds nothing to society, women can't get equal pay. There aren't really any role models to push young women into this field, so women don't go into esports very often. So the reason why there aren't any women in esports is because of discrimination. Because women aren't in esports because of discrimination. See what I mean? But now let's ask why this happens in the first place. Go ahead. No, you can do it this time. This is still a podcast I can't fucking hear you. Got him. Well, we can trace why this is happening back to game developers. Because in the video game development industry, only about 30% of all devs are women or or non-gender conforming people. And while I know what you're thinking... But isn't that up from the 3% of developers in 1989? Yes. Yes, it is. And has a huge jump. That is nowhere near being equal in the field. I mean, do I need to bring up Activision Blizzard? But anyways, not having women in the development team means that the women that appear in video games are less realistic because the people creating them are usually men and so they aren't able to speak to the female experience. Which, while similar to men's enough that the advice just write a person, stupid, works, contain slight differences that can make a woman feel more realistic, even in settings that aren't outwardly sexist if you have a woman write it. The other thing that happens is that the women in video games have a tendency to be a lot more sexualized and underrepresented, meaning that the unfortunate combo has some lasting effects on the strangely pliable gamer brain. And this $3 combo of cock-up means that women are less likely to play the game, since women, like men, aren't super interested in seeing their gender reduced to don't you want to be slammed balls deep in this person and nothing else to do with them? And if a woman is able to ignore this off-puttingness, then they're exposed to it to the, again, baby-like plasticity of gamer brain. Where these fucking animals playing the game think if digital woman equals sad wank, then real woman equals some fuck. And what about the ongoing harassment? Uh, easy. Easy. Because most games and gaming systems don't really have the hardware or software required to police chats, the best they can do is create a censored word list for text chats and have the report option. But this doesn't exist for voice chat because, put simply, we don't have the technology to put a real-time, understand a word, replace it, and censor it before it reaches across the internet and into the ears of the innocent censorship AI inside of video games. And it's hard to moderate voice chats, especially because even text chats receive relatively little moderation in comparison to forums, discords, and comment sections. So why not ban or avoid voice chats? Well, unfortunately, there's a lot of fast-paced, exciting games that aren't really playable with a text chat and require voice chat for teamwork coordination and the ever-sacred shit-talking. And this feeds into the cycle of online harassment. The cycle, created by Andrew Fishman and Natalie Jung, is something we've actually already been traveling down the first to third steps of. First, male developers make a game and women play it, which is then followed by having chats, both voice and text, communicate with teammates that allow people to openly express their opinion. Which then begets the fourth step. Someone cocks it up for everyone else. So now I have racist, misogynists, racist, misogynists, homophobes, homophobic, racist, misogynists, and neckbeards crawling out of the woodwork to infest a brand new game that they can ruin for everyone else. Not because they need to, but because it's fun. Once they begin the hate train, we move on to step five, where players are unable to keep up with the momentum, like the final bastion of Imperial Guardsmen trying to fend off the hordes of tyranids coming at them. And the orbital bombardments of banhammers in step six are also ineffective, and the policing of chats, as we already discussed, are hard and are also nominal at best. What this means is that step seven, people who dislike this leave the game and go somewhere else, not absolutely ruined by scumsuckers. Seeing this as their home now, the assholes stay in step 8. Step 9, you become League of Legends, and new players are scared off by the toxicity of the community, even as you deploy space marines to clean up the mess, i.e. nuke the entire fucking community. And seeing it now as a bastion of quote-unquote free speech, new assholes come swarming in. Obviously, this makes most women that aren't off-put by the sexualization of their gender in most games and the shit writing a lot of female characters get slapped with, avoid this game's community, like the plague. And because if you're a woman and a gamer has been around for more than a single day, you'll be traumatized by previous incidents of intense toxicity, and again, reasonably shy away from anything vaguely resembling that shit experience you had. Which for the most part are multiplayer games with heavy voice chat integrations like FPSs. And we'll get back to that later. However, something else to keep in mind is that women will be more likely to avoid communities with a kind of sexually harassment-y vibe. Now, this is usually in regards to being wildly lewd with female characters in the game, like, to an outrageous degree, not like normal internet way. But can also include being a fucking weirdo about women on the development team or just generally being horny on main. And if a community is too much, it's usually worth it to cut your losses and try a different forum or game. You know, which is fair. The last one actually doesn't have anything to do with women and bees or anything else but the men in the community. And I've been talking about men in the vague sense. I mean men as in you. Yes, you listening at home. You sweaty fucking nerd. I mean you. Something that happens to a lot of nerds if you see something that so much as vaguely reminds you of high school turns into a conduit for all your hatred like a lightning rod of baby rage. While that in and of itself is unhealthy and bad coping, and you need to go to therapy, you fucker, us doing that to women only exacerbates the problem. Just because a woman is both attractive and also a nerd doesn't mean she's some weird fucking bully trying to infiltrate the nerd club, so chaos, and then reveal at the end that she's only doing the fuck with you and never cared in the first place. This isn't high school. You're better off without other adults that act like that in your life anyways. If you find adults that do act like that, they're stupid, calm down. If you see a woman that's being a fucking nerd, be normal. Because the thing that lets all this happen is when people like you and me get that feeling and then watch them get harassed and don't immediately think to tell the harasser to fuck off. Or when you join in on it because you think it's time to get back at your bullies. Anyways, with that after school special done, let's go to the history. And in ancient Egypt, we have evidence of the first gamer girl. Now, while we don't know what console she played, we do know that even back then, guys were asking her via carrier pigeon to send them pictures of her feet to jerk off to. No, the timeline really starts in 1964, with the first woman in video gaming, Mabel Addis. Now, Addis was a teacher with a master's degree in education that wanted to find a new and cool way to teach students about ancient history, seeing as straight up reading it from a textbook was boring as shit. So she designed the Sumerian game, the oldest strategy game to ever exist. Now, unlike modern strategy video games, the Sumerian game was entirely text-based. But, like future games, would put the player in the place of a Sumerian ruler. Now, to note, this is just six years after the very first video game ever created that would later be adapted into Pong. Also, as a side note, the Sumerian game has had several re-releases as new versions of the same game that have never captured the original Now, while women in the video game industry stays mostly in the background after this, being hired on teams occasionally, but not too often, don't want to ruin Boy's Night, most of these names are kind of lost to history. Until 1980, when Roberta Williams, alongside her husband, Ken Williams, founded a company that at the time was called Online Systems. You might know it as Sierra Online. She was the mastermind behind their first game, Mystery House, which had a fairly mild reputation. But three years later, she released... King Quest, and this game in its future iterations motherfucking exploded. Also in the early 80s is the winner of the 2017 Industry Icon Award, Carol Shaw. While initially literally just a diversity hire to do color backgrounds and paint stuff in, she created the most advanced game of the time, River Raid. This game was unique because its backgrounds had really low looping, meaning that you could go long periods of play before encountering the same stuff over again and this solidified her place as a master coding in the gaming space, and she became the backbone of the success of the Atari 2600. However, in the same year that King Quest was released, 1983, was also the year of the video game crashes beginning. Why was that? Because shitty games had oversaturated the market with buggy, awful cash grabs with very little work put into them and very high cost, and compound with the rest of the economy going into the toilet, people weren't interested in sinking upwards of $100 into a piece of dog shit that they smushed into their Atari. However, later that same year, Nintendo started to look for a solution and found it. Not only by creating a strict code of quality, the Nintendo seal of approval, and guaranteeing that games they made were good, but also by shifting the marketing of video games away from being games similar to digital board games and marketing them as toys, and back to being about women rather than video games. One of the first massive successes Nintendo had after implementing this was Metroid in 1986, a game with a female protagonist. A game with not only a female protagonist, but a main character, playable female protagonist. While female characters had existed in previous games, it was common for them to be weird reskins of masculine characters, like Miss Pac-Man, be obscure background characters, not playable, or be in games that weren't Anywhere near the mainstream successes like Nintendo releases for home consoles. In the early 90s, with Nintendo fully rolling out their advertisement campaign of video games as toys, they had another choice to make. Because it's the early 90s and gender theory was essentially just opening your pants and flopping your genitals on the table, they had to choose if they were boy toys or girl toys. So claiming market research, but probably honestly just tossing a coin, they decided boy toys. Actually, that's unfair. At the time, given that feminism at the time was really just concerned about the turf civil war, a lot of girls were expected to pull their weight at home. And their brothers. And their dads. And so Nintendo saw that and went, ah, too busy. But boys do nothing but play, anyways. So they marketed to boys. Yes, the origin of gaming favoring men is rooted in sexism. Who fucking knew? Now, also in the mid-90s, as women were added more and more to gaming, we got a range of representation, from Lara Croft in 96 to GTA 97. Yeah, not a great range, is it? Well, yes, women being a thing in the gaming sphere wasn't a thing of the past, a lot of the most popular games were pretty highly sexualized towards women, and the real gradient wasn't sexualized to non-sexualized, more from crush-me-mommy to what the average right-wing internet personality wants women to be like. Submissive, readable, and easily murdered to take back the $7.50 you paid for a handy. Too dark, or too spot on. Speaking of which, is estimated that the peak of sexualization of women in gaming was in 1995. Which, gotta be honest, not entirely sure where that comes from. Besides theory crafting, I have literally no idea how they got that answer. And hopefully, by the way, that isn't peak of sexualization so far, because I'd rather not go back to the 90s. I didn't even exist back then, but I think I'd go ballistic. But moving on from that, we have the early 2000s, which is where the big mad event I was referencing earlier happened. Well, I mean, one of them at least. We'll get to the other one, not only in this episode, but next episode, and also on Waytet. Yep, it's that big. What happened in the early 2000s? Well, a brand new career was founded, called Internet Personality. For the first time, being a gamer, vlogger, or armchair scientist on the internet became something you could do for money. Almost immediately, people jumped on it. And the early gamers online were largely turbo nerds talking about nostalgic games from their childhood. Highly skilled players or turbo nerds that had developed a sense of humor to not get waffle stomped by bullies at school every day. And of those nerds, a lot of them were young men. And why was that? Well, because of the earlier choices by Nintendo, and also the culture of the 80s and 90s, largely boys that were socially allowed to play tons of video games. And those boys became teenagers, who then became young adults, with at least a decade of gaming for unhealthily long periods of time under their belt. So the early online gamer space was male-dominated. But as, you know, women can also be nerds, and also girls being forced to be responsible from early age isn't universal, women were gamers too and entered into the space. But there was already stigma that they were bad at video games from decades of collectively having to pick up the slack for the boys. So what advantage did they have that set them apart? Yep, they were women. Now it's also important to say that at the time, gaming was especially popular online, meaning that if you were a woman and wanted to be on the internet anyways, this was a great way to get started. And This divides these early innovators into a few categories. Firstly, being people who had a love of gaming and streaming and wanted to do it for fun, which is largely the same reason men started. Secondly, wanting a more general online career and being savvy enough to understand trends. Third, being kind of lost in life and seeing this pick up and deciding to do it because it seems fun and isn't super hard to start, which is also largely a reason for men who started. And finally, and least likely, is just purely out of a desire for attention. And all four reasons can benefit from being set apart by being a woman. Like how I'm set apart in podcasts by being well-researched and long-formed, but also in that niche of being kind of funny, but also not actually being funny. But guess which one of these four valid reasons was used against women? Yep, attention. Meaning that to this day, in addition to the association of video games being for young men and boys, early internet perverts are also responsible for the idea that women game to get in your crusty, sweaty, skid-marked underwear. And now we skip forward to 2013, when the game Depression Quest came out you know where this is going, holy shit I'm sorry you know about this, and if you don't, massive fucking trigger warning. This game had initially a lot of positive critical reviews, but gamers were fucking enraged. Why? Well, the creator, Zoe Quinn, who in addition to being Envy, is hot as fuck and not interested in them, and added on to that, were pissed off that the game was more similar to an educational visual novel, about depression rather than a high-skill combat-oriented game. But if you're also confused about why this is a problem, I got no fucking answers for you. Well, the game got such incredibly aggressive hate that Quinn pulled the game from Steam, but later did put it back on. Now, all this compiled together got the gamers seething, which was only further fanned by the release of supposed texts, video chats, and other things from an ex-boyfriend that seemed to imply that Quinn had traded sex for gaming success. Despite being very clearly falsified because these included such gems as implying they slapped with someone from Otaku, which did not review the game, and also very clearly being someone who's an ex for a good reason, this still got the gamers even more enraged. And this exploded into an event in 2014 and 2015 called Gamergate, which was a two-year stretch starting with Quinn, where 4chaners got upset that a nerd with boobs dare not want to fuck them and also supposedly fuck people that weren't them also have the fucking audacity to exist, began to send extremely detailed and relentless rape and death threats. You heard me right. This caused Quinn to go into hiding for a time, and also seems to have stalled their interest in doing fucking anything involving gamers for a long time, which is fair. But this quickly spread to a lot more women, including internet personalities, developers, and reviewers, including two other massive lightning rods for the storm of you-should-be-old-yellered, Anita Sarkeesian, and Brianna Wu, a game critic and a developer, respectively. Also, yes, I did just say that you should be put down for sending rape threats. Unlike you, I take that seriously. Also, this got so bad that doxing started to become common, and any woman, envy, or non-male person that spoke out were openly feminist or simply had some constructive criticism about sexualization or costume design Were met with a wall of rape, death, and dox threats. And how did this eventually end? Well, it didn't. Not really. See, while it died down during 2016, this behavior didn't go away. But what changed? Well, as this was happening all over the place, social media platforms began to take it seriously, from the notoriously ban happy YouTube to even motherfucking 4chan, which banned Gamergate as a topic entirely. In addition, people began to attack the people making these attacks, including their own rounds of doxing, death threats, cancelings, mass bans, and even destructions of entire forums, subreddits, and 4chan boards. Which essentially meant that many of the places for these cretins to meet were being stomped out, and very much like bullies, a swift razor blade shoot to the scrotum shut a lot of them the fuck up. But like I said, a lot of real world action wasn't really taken against them. I mean, these people still fucking exist out there and aren't getting well acquainted with what a long arm tastes like. That's a gun, by the way. So this didn't end. It's just more likely to get met with a wave of enraged fans, feminists, and internet personalities, finding out where you live and turning your life inside out because they decided never again. Which I agree with. I will say right now, I 100% stand by all of my statements. If you're participating in Gamergate and I'm actively rooting for you to be doxed until you eventually die. And if you're one of the heroes doxing people that does this shit, keep it up and don't ever stop. And the aftermath of Gamergate has meant that misogyny has become more linked with the internet and gamers than ever before. And this was a huge enough thing that people in the real world became actively concerned about it. Which has scarred the reputation of gaming forever as a seedy place filled with toxicity and tantrum throwing basement ogres, angry the sexy internet lady won't touch his pus faucet of a micro penis. Because of that, as well as market research done over and over by gaming corporations, video games have continued to be a boys' club as the possibility of threat and harassment for simply being anything but a man, and also the marketing and development of games remains for the boys. Mean that women are pushed to the edges of gaming, and it takes a lot of courage to even try to exist in those spaces. And with that fucking enraging downer, let's get to the current state of female gamers. Okay, shake it off. Everyone stand up real quick, do some stretches, and go punch the Nazi you have tied up in the attic. Okay, so before we get into it, how many gamer girls are there? Well, while I wasn't able to find global stats, for the US the proportion of female gamers is 41.5% of all gamers, while 58.5% are men. Again, this is an issue we've come across before where the gender binary America's obsessed with makes the stats inaccurate, but let's assume that's correct enough for a number. Now, while there isn't data for how many gamers there are in the U.S., given that the U.S. government has a lot of other stuff to fuck up, and we're already doing a great job of ruining the community without them, this is a significant percentage. Meaning that if you have never encountered a female gamer, it's your fault, or you don't play online. With that said out of the way, what games do they usually prefer? Well, funnily enough, I have a cool little list here. These are the proportions of women in the player base in different game genres. First place is match three games at sixty nine percent, nice, with Candy Crush being the outlier eighty three percent. Also, if you're going to be a fucking purist about it and say gamers are only play FPS games, then fucking pull up, motherfucker. Ever heard of Bejeweled? An absolute genre and gaming classic. Match three games are valid, and gamer means a hobbyist games, not your favorite game. You sweaty fucking nerd. Anyways. Next is family slash farming simulators like The Sims at 69%, nice. Then is casual puzzle games at 42%, which is a fucking baller nostalgia genre for me. Atmospheric exploration at 41%, interactive drama at 37%, high fantasy MMOs at 36%, and Japanese RPGs at 33%. That's all for the significant percentage games, with the rest having much smaller female player bases these being Western RPGs at 26%, with Dragon Age Inquisition being the outlier at 48%, Survival Roguelites and Platformers at 25%, City Builders at 22%, Action RPGs at 20%, Sandbox and Action Adventure at 18%, Sci-Fi MMOs at 16%, with Star Wars Old Republic having 29%, 14% open world with Assassin's Creed Syndicate jumping up to 27%, and turn-based strategy games at 11%. And after this, we start getting to the real fucking sweaty nerd games. Being MOBAs at 10%, Grand Strategy and FPS at 7 Racing at 6 except for Mario Kart Tour with 40 and, you know, can't really blame them, that is a great game. 4% Tactical Shooters and 2% Sports. Which, again, can't really blame them with sports. Sports games are fucking boring. Sorry, if I wanted to play sports, i go outside and maybe get a benefit out of it. But since I can't fight a fucking dragon, join SWAT, explore a gorgeous fantasy world, date a food of warrior princess, be a space pirate, or match rhinestones until they explode in real life, yeah, I'm going to play a video game for that. Okay, but with that chunk of stats covered, what conclusions can we draw? Well, that generally speaking, the games preferred by women are games with high levels of in-game communication, interpersonal relationships, and interesting stories, with strong character presence and gameplay development, with a heavier focus on offline or games more likely to have built-in text chat. While male audiences generally prefer fast-paced explosive gameplay with a lot of combat and less highly complex mechanics. Which, I gotta say, as much as I enjoy games with combat, being a fan of sci-fi and fantasy and all, I really think I'm more on the lady side here. I love having characters I actually like seeing do things, feeling something when I play a game, and also games with Really cool mechanics where character options matter. Okay, but now we're going to look at motivations. These are self-reported motivations for games as compared against other forms of motivations. And this time we're listing both men and women. So first up is completionism. This is grab everything, do all the quests, and fill out all the achievements. 17% of women are drawn to this and 10% of men. Next is immersion, which is a pure escapism of feeling like you're within the world experiencing it. 16% of women prefer this and 9% of men. Design is Next, which is basically the ability to customize, build, and create the world around you, which, you know, I find very relaxing, as do 15% of women and 6% of men. Next is Community, where you are able to and encouraged to connect with other players and NPCs or characters. 10% of women like this and 9% of men. Story, where the game's story is the primary draw. This matters for 9% of women and 6% of men. Destruction is the ability to mother fuck everything in your past and eat e- anyone's ass that disagrees. 8% of women like this and 12% of men. Discovery is the ability to explore, travel, and find cool shit. 7% of women like it and 6% of men. Uh, competition is head-to-head fighting with other players and attempting to win over them. 5% of women are way too like my mom. And 14% of men are annoying as shit. Strategy is planning and executing on a plan and thinking in the long term. Something I'm bad at when I play games. 5% of women like it and 8% of men. Power is a feeling of strength, confidence, and dominance over the game and or the people playing it. 4% of women are too much my type to be healthy for me. And 6% of men play games for the same reason I do. Excitement is basically shit happening fast and hard. 3% of women care about this in games and 6% of men. And finally is challenge, wanting to feel like the game is making you work for it, which I rarely appreciate, unlike 3% of women and 7% of men. And beyond reinforcing what was said already, what else does this tell us? That, unlike the conclusions we drew earlier, actually a lot bigger of the reason for women to prefer the games that they do isn't necessarily their motivations, it's their safety. Because from this list here, you'd expect most women to prefer games like RPGs, builders, and design-heavy games. But instead, the preferred games are three game genres that lack a large-scale online gaming aspect to them. Because being outnumbered and suffering from harassment 77% of the time they play kind of ruins the fun. So, let's talk about how to fix this. out the application section this time isn't about how to use girl gamers, or how to market to them, or anything like that. Instead this section, is all about how to help women not only feel welcome in the gaming community, but also to be treated fairly. And we're going to start with general fixes. These are things anyone can do and doesn't require you to be a multi-millionaire with the ability to create a national gaming competition. The first of them is simply, don't be a dick. And I really wish I didn't have to explain this. But this entire point of advice is just to not be a toxic piece of shit. When someone that's playing is a girl, don't be sexist or misogynistic unless you are familiar with them and know they're comfortable with that. Like playing a game with a close friend and you know she thinks the the go-back-to-the-kitchen jokes are funny. Play respectfully, don't be a douche, and don't make sexist jokes. Secondly, fight misogyny and racism even in your leisure time. I know it sucks and sometimes you just want to relax with your video games, But so does she and all the minorities in the voice chat. And obviously, this will depend on the game on how to approach it. Most often, the best way to fight back is to call out the person being an asshole. And also, if you are not a fan of doing something out of the goodness of your heart, whoever that gamer girl is might remember that you're not an asshole. Do with that what you will. In addition, if one person stands up, assuming that you're in chat with largely not racist and not sexist people, it's going to be a lot easier to stand up with you. But, you know, don't count on that and fully expect that for the most part, the reaction you'll get is, lol, you fucking simp. You are gonna beg for toe pictures now? Which leads to our third point. Don't turn into a fucking weirdo when a woman plays video games. Do you feel that? The white knighting instinct rising in you? The bone in your pants busting open your shorts to the sound of a woman's voice? Control it, fuck out. You can jerk off after the game. To gamer girl porn if you want. But while you're playing, keep in mind that she's there to have fun, And focus on the game, and not on trying to get some of that big-titty goth gamer girl bisexual lighting pussy. And if you're one of those people that has to suppress being misogynistic, let me be the first one to tell you, you need therapy. Okay, and now we're looking at gaming and esports as an entity. These are four ways to address it. First, give female-focused spotlights in gaming tournaments. And no, not in the, whoa, it's a girl way. Do it more subtly, like like letting the women playing talk during the interviews. Ensuring there's camera coverage on them. And that people know that they're, in fact, there to play the game and not to show off their titties. You can also do it in slightly less subtle ways by letting them have their own segment or something. I mean, I don't know what the fuck they do during eSports. I'm a nerd, not a cretin. Secondly, like, give women their own tournament brackets. Because if you aren't going to open up the boys club to women or you're afraid your audience will be pissed to see someone that makes their wiener feel weird, give them ample warning by advertising it as a women's bracket. By doing this, you're able to let audiences get used to seeing women in gaming so that when they go to other brackets or play video games on YouTube, these fucking chimpanzees won't freak the fuck out about it. Also, increase the support and resources given to female gamers. Esports has the same issues as other places where women have issues such as having lower wages and receiving less professional support. So if you make sure to sponsor female gamers, pay them fairly, and also make sure they're protected from the swarms of mouth-breathing misogynists that infect gaming spaces, more women would be interested in being gamers. Which, hey, means that you as an esports manager gets more athletes. athletes, Gamers? Whatever the fuck your terminology is for them, I don't fucking care which leads us directly into the fourth. To ensure women are protected long-term in gaming, it's extremely important to have increased female representation in video games and esports. Because like I said earlier, seeing women being people in video games makes them normal and not something for gamers to flip their shit about. Also, by having women seen more and be better characters in video games, will inspire female gamers and future female gamers to be more involved in the gaming sphere. Which then means more people to have the same hobbies you have. Which, if you didn't know, is great, because you don't have to put up with shitheads, and also, it's easier to make friends. And if you're into women, and not weird, maybe more than friends. But anyways, now we're going to head over to my soapbox. Alright, so standing at the end of the episode, what do I think of Gamer Girls? Well, uh, as someone who plays both video games and role playing games, I think they're hot as fuck. Because I'm a lonely little nerd that wants to be in a relationship with another nerd with similar interests. But beyond being pervy, I don't really think gamer girls deserve basically any of the shit they get. Even assuming 1 in 10, which is a huge over exaggeration by the way, isn't it for the attention? So fucking what? They're playing a video game to get positive attention. You're playing as a hobby. You're both playing a video game, so who cares? because I want people to enjoy things, even if it's for an entirely different reason than me. I'm not a gatekeeper. It's just fun. Like, assuming it isn't destructive, if a woman wanted to play tabletop RPGs with me and my group because she found nerds getting flustered around her cute, I don't mind. Why would I? It's a woman choosing to hang out with me. Overall, I think the best policy is to mind your fucking business, and if there's a woman in chat, don't turn into a weird little sex ape about it. But also, to be fair, I don't play games online. I don't think I've ever had a woman on her own decide to play games with me. I've always asked first. If I can go, so I can only go off a vague, similar experience to say I wouldn't become a sex pest. But if I look at it honestly, would I play it off and be cool? No, absolutely the fuck not. I'd be a nervous wreck, because the only thing I'm worse at than talking to people is talking to people I could potentially be into. But anyways... Yeah, women can play video games. Get over it, nerd. And there is episode 7. I hope you enjoyed it, even if it was more of a simp than normal. And also, it was probably shorter than normal. Anyways, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast feed, like it, leave a review, whatever else it is you can do on your platform of choice. Send me an email at waytatpods at gmail.com, that is W-A-Y-T-A-T-P-O-D-S at gmail.com, with questions, concerns, opinions, compliments, insults, actually your gamer tag, only fans page where you fuck yourself with an Xbox controller, and all of your gaming experiences. Also, follow me on Twitter at waytat underscore pods. Remember to check out my other podcast, Waytat, where I talk about things happening in the US that are uh, vaguely about as soul-crushing as this. Alright, have a good night, have fun, keep writing, and remember, don't be weird. This has been Why Are You Talking About This Nerd, and I've been your host, William. Good night.